Great to have you with us on Air Talk. I'm Larry Mantle. I hope to see you coming up one week from tonight here at our Crawford Family Forum at KPCC. We're going to go in depth on Los Angeles City's Measure S, which calls for a two-year moratorium on larger developments within the city of L.A. We're going to debate that pro and con, and we're also going to go in depth on Measure H and talk about some of the services that would be provided if that countywide sales tax increase is to be past, uh, and we'll talk about how that fits into L.A. City's housing development measure, which was passed last November. We'll get into the specifics. I'd love to have you there. You can get all the information and RSVP at kpcc.org slash in person. I hope to see you there in our Crawford Family Forum next Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, all part of our voter game plan, as is our conversation right now with KPCC reporters Josie Wong, Rena Paul and Jacob Margolis. Jacob looks at all the uh, various aspects around legalized marijuana, both recreational and uh, medicinal marijuana. So, Jacob, I wanted to ask you about Measure M on the L.A. city ballot. Um, Would this send the council to come up with the structures for taxation and regulation of both medical and recreational pot? Yeah, it, it, it will. And this is basically the beginning of the framework. It, it, it allows them to go ahead and start laying out the tax structure. And so really, we will see this play out, like I said, through October. But we have to kind of see to wait to see what's going to happen. And is there any timeline for when the council has to come up with some sort of it's, a plan? Yeah, they there's something in uh, Prop M about September 30th being kind of the deadline for after public hearings and coming up with the structure and everything. You know, we'll see if they hit it. I guess nothing's guaranteed. And same thing goes for the state, which is supposed to be ready by January 1st, 2018. But again, these are all big asks for industry that hasn't really been regulated that much. Yeah. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of lobbying of the city council. What's your yeah. sense covering this area of of who the different stakeholders who are going to be making their cases to the council? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gosh, there's so many people. L.A. is such a big place. And so you have a lot of people trying to make money. You have dispensary owners. You have people who want to grow marijuana, distribute marijuana, manufacture marijuana products. Uh, you also have people that are angry about dispensaries and cultivation operations showing up in their neighborhoods. So those people are going to be there. You're going to hear from them. Uh, you're really going to hear from a surprisingly large number of people and kind of behind the scenes in my reporting, you know, talking to the lobbyists and talking to folks, there is kind of a, uh, there's a lot of jockeying and battling going for the uh, the city council's ear right now. Well, and, and I wonder how this might play out with zoning too, because mm-hmm. this is about taxation, about regulation. Does that get into the placement of places where marijuana can be sold or is that a separate issue? They'll, they'll determine this. This is part of setting them on the path of determining things like that. Um, you know, they're going to have to decide, are they, there are certain regulations that the state already put down as to where dispensaries can be. So they can't be right next to schools, for instance, but they're going to have, the city council in LA is going to have to decide if uh, they want to allow more than the 135 that are already allowed, which they probably will. Uh, they have to decide if they're going to allow, you know, cultivation operations only in industrial areas and that sort of stuff. So, Yes, this is this is going to 
a lot of zoning issues are going to come up. Around what this. about places where you can use? I don't recall what the what the state mm-hmm. uh, ballot initiative said about where one can uh, smoke marijuana uh, or ingest. Um, is it anticipated that there would be places where there'd be like marijuana smoking lounges people could go? Well, right now, just so people know, uh, you can't smoke marijuana in the street. Can't smoke it in your car. If you're renting an apartment or a condo, there's very a very good possibility that you're not allowed to smoke it in there. You know, so where do you smoke it uh, is the big question. And this is something that people have also been talking about addressing. And it was an issue that came up in Colorado. So I cannot imagine something won't come up along the way to address that. So I don't know. Are we going to see marijuana shops I, like to, for smoking? I, I don't know. Yeah. But I can imagine. Well, that. and to add further complication, my recollection is, you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but on the state measure, that in terms of the public use of marijuana, that it does treat medical different than recreational, because I, I thought that there is the ability under the state to smoke marijuana mm-hmm. out of home uh, with certain, you have to abide by the state's smoking restrictions, mm-hmm. but I thought that, the, that, that there was uh, allowed public use if it's medicinal. Not that's not my understanding. Okay, all right. All. Well, yeah, maybe yeah, might, yeah. You're not allowed to. I mean, you're as far as I know in Proposition 64, they didn't talk about being able to smoke out in public. Um, same thing goes for the MCRSA, which was the big medical thing, big uh, medical law, set of medical laws that passed uh, like in 2015. Um, so. I don't think that's the case. Okay, I'm, but I'm probably we wrong. Up. We'll you live up. with this every yeah, yeah. day, and I don't. So I, I'm probably wrong. But yeah. I just I thought I was remembering that from our de- our debate on it. But there's going to be so much for people to try and get information about mm-hmm. this. And and is the city contemplating a way of getting everybody on the same page as to what the rules and regulations around it are going to be? In what way? Just to, so that people are informed what's legal or not, and usage, an information educational campaign. I haven't heard anything from them yet. Uh, here's a shout out to Herb Wesson's office. Uh, if you guys want to chat with me, I would love to talk to you. Um, I think that, like I said, behind the scenes, a lot's being worked out right now. And we're really going to see, and we will have a lot more answers after if M passes. And right. so we kind of have to wait. And simple majority to pass yeah. M. Yeah. It's two thirds required for the county measure H because it is a taxation increase. Simple majority on S, the moratorium on development. Thank you all very much. Really appreciate your coming in and talking with us. Rena Palta with us about H, covers Southern California's social safety net. Josie Wong covering S, the LA City uh, Development Moratorium. And Jacob Margolis, who covers the complexities of marijuana law for us. Right here on 89.3 KPCC. Hope to see you next Wednesday night for our big voter game plan event in our Crawford Family Forum. Info on RSVP at kpcc.org slash in person. Pleasure to have you with us on Air Talk on 89.3 KPCC. We're getting closer to the deadline 
for people who've asked to clear the protest site for the Dakota Access Pipeline. The Standing Rock Sioux Reservation is the site of where uh, thousands of people have come through protesting that pipeline that President Trump has put back onto uh, the fast track for construction. The Army Corps of Engineers uh, issued the order the protesters need to leave the camp that's been set up there. With us to talk about the approaching deadline from the Bismarck Tribune News, Lauren Donovan. Lauren, thank you for being with us. You're very welcome. Describe the scene there at the camp, please. Well, it is a lot to describe here today. Uh, We just finished, I should say, a a lot of media and people still here in the camp. We uh, have just finished the ceremonial walk out of the camp for the last time. Uh, accompanied by drums and singing, uh, Lakota ceremony. Uh, a lot of people joined in. It's very muddy here today. It's very wet. It's very cold. It's a very difficult emotional departure for these people who have been in the camp. And, and the difficulty on the emotional side is only multiplied many times by the weather here today. And, and, uh, about how many, what's your guesstimate of how many people are still there? Well, that's, you know, that's, you know, throw a, a dart at, at a target kind of a thing. But the number of people who left the camp to take this ceremonial walk out, it's probably less than than 100. Uh, there are still people back in the ocean, the Cullen, uh, main protest camp, um, trying to clean up. It's impossible to get in there today with the vehicles, the mud is a axle deep. Uh, people are still trying to pull out their possessions. They have, oh, what, 35 minutes or so. I don't know the exact time, but at the hour now, um, the police will begin to go into the camp and arrest people who persist in staying after 2 o'clock. And local time. are there concerned that there might be violent re- resistance to police uh, forcibly uh, removing people? Well, I'm sure that's always a concern. Uh, you know, the protesters are equally concerned that if they, if they attempt peaceful, prayerful resistance, that they might be met with uh, mace or or rubber bullets or other devices that police that they say police have used in the past. Um, what was interesting this morning when we got here at dark and the cold and the wet and the snow, uh, many of the people in the camp chose to to burn their structure, their tarpy or their tent uh, that they had been living in. And that was uh, not an act of defiance, but it was a ceremonial way of returning the blessing of the structure to the soil, so we're told. And so we're seeing a lot of flames across the camp today. Um, one propane bottle exploded. There have been some fireworks. Um, people are crying. People are, um, you know, it's just a very emotional day. You're painting a a very dramatic scene of what's there, and thank you so much for sharing what what it looks like. Um, I just want to tell our listeners, Lauren Donovan, reporter with the Bismarck Tribune News, with us uh, from North Dakota. She's uh, reporting from the Oshedi Sokoan camp established to protest construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline. We are just about, uh, I guess, about an hour away, actually about half an hour away from when this uh, 
order to disperse was given and is expected to be carried out by law enforcement to remove people from the protest camp that's there. And uh, my apologies for a little bit of the shaky phone line, but I think what Lauren's sharing with us is important enough uh, for us to you know tolerate that connection to get her on the ground details. Lauren, about how far are you from the center of the camp itself? Well, right now I am, and I'm sorry if you can't hear me very well. Um, I, you know, it's it's, uh, it's, it's okay. A very good cell coverage out here. I am I am within, you know, just maybe I'm just across the river from the camp. I followed the ceremonial walk out, so I'm looking at the camp through the snow and the rain. It's probably well, maybe a fourth of a mile away from where I'm standing. Oh, and you can see it. And uh, do you have any sense of how many law enforcement officers are there to remove people? Um, well, the law enforcement is on the other side of what is called here the Backwater Bridge. Um, we came down this morning with a convoy. They escorted the media in, and uh, there was a convoy of um, um, dozens and dozens of police vehicles. I don't know how many are back there. I know they are very well um, enforced here today. We have law enforcement, uh, county law enforcement. We have the state highway patrol. We have the National Guard here. We have um, law enforcement from various counties throughout North Dakota. So, you know, I, I would I would venture it's easy to say there's, you know, a, a minimum of 300 officers back there. All right. Lauren, thank you so much for setting the scene. I know you're very busy reporting for your publication, and thank you for joining us and, and setting the scene. You you uh, did a great job of describing um, the drama as it unfolds and the visuals of, of the scene, the poignancy as well. Thank you so much. I could show you the mud. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's no fun. Yes. But thank you for enduring it uh, to share it with others. We appreciate it. Lauren Donovan, Bismarck Tribune News reporter with us on Air Talk. And of course, you'll hear continuing coverage of the efforts to clear the protest area later today here on NPR Hourly News and this afternoon on All Things Considered. Coming up, we're going to take a look at a new Pew survey. Thank goodness they do these. They're so interesting. They give us so much to talk about on the program, the latest of which looks at millennials and how they are more geographically rooted than the generations that preceded them. Now, why might that be, and how different are they from the generations that went before? We'll find out right after a live update from Hetty Lynn Hurdy's.